Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. While he's best professionally known for roles like Sideshow Bob and the X-Men's Dr. Hank McCoy, and of course, Fraser Crane, actor Kelsey Grammer has also launched a beer brand. It's called Faith American Ales, and it's available in New York and New Jersey. He's my guest on the show this week. And we'll get into it all in a moment. But first, please visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insight, and other podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast by simply searching All About Beer, where you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do is supported by you. You can visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on the show, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, are you thinking about cutting back on alcohol this January? If so, check out Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Athletic makes a wide selection of near beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Darks, Light Brews, and more. Give Dry a try this month with Athletic. And new Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. Thanks to Athletic for sponsoring this episode. Like many of you, I grew up with Kelsey Grammer on my TV set and on the screen. Through his roles on Cheers and Frasier as the voice of Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons and Stinky Pete in Toy Story 2, on the screen with roles in Down Periscope and the early editions of The X-Men. He's done a lot with his professional life, including countless stage shows, he's authored books, he's dabbled in music. And I was intrigued when a few years back, I heard that he had started a beer company. It's called Faith American, and it's based out of upstate New York, where he owns a home. The brand was started in 2019, but was quickly put on pause as the start of COVID-19 shut down, well, pretty much everything. But it's been recently revived. The property that he hopes to one day open a tap room comes up a lot in our conversation as the thrust behind the beer ideas. But for now, those beers, the ales, are being made at Frog Alley, a Schenectady, New York brewery helmed by brewer Rich Michaels. The three beers in the Faith American lineup, which are two IPAs and an ale, currently have distribution throughout New York and New Jersey. As you'll hear, he's supporting the beer through appearances, often at local bars, the kind of cozy places where regulars have their reserved seats, the kind of bars where, well, you know. And that's how the show came together. Grammer, who was born in the Virgin Islands and grew up in New Jersey and Florida, was in my town doing one such event at my local. Few calls were made, and a day later, I found myself at a hotel bar not far from my town, meeting Grammer in person. Beer and celebrity is interesting, and there's been a lot of well-known and bold-faced names that have gotten into the alcohol business. George Clooney selling tequila, Ryan Reynolds selling gin. There are celebrities who have vineyards, some in name only, and others who actually work the land. But there hasn't been too much in the way of beer. There are some examples, but it's largely been barren on the celebrity-supported and owner front. Grammar, as you'll hear, is all in, and he's added personal touches to the brand that bring more to the beers than just his extensive acting resume. Here's our conversation. Do you remember your first beer? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's not super specific, because I, mean, I think I was allowed to taste beer when I was pretty young. Okay. There wasn't a real big... Um, 
uh, separation between you know my family and me as a child. Uh, I was allowed to try just about anything, and uh, they always I think were up the school that if it was at home and sure you know the supervised it was you know better than going out and hiding it. But uh, my grandmother, once I was sixteen. She would say, grab a beer for the road. <laughs> was, you were in Florida at the yeah, time. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I think that's still the case it's down there. Sort of yeah. the way it was, yeah. 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 Uh, I remember one time getting pulled over by a couple of cops. I was, I was flying along. I was, I was coming down from Lake Okeechobee. I had met a girl I thought was like, just hung the moon. She was fantastic. So I'd driven out there and kind of surprised her. I think I surprised her so much that she actually didn't really tell me but I think she had a boyfriend around there you know and uh, uh, we had a wonderful visit Uh, you know we kissed and stuff and and we took a ride on her horse and we swam across Lake Okeechobee uh, hanging on to the horse's tail while the horse swam I mean it was extraordinarily romantic and lovely okay but I was uh, all my clothes were wet after that of course so uh, and she said well I'm afraid you're gonna have to head home tonight I can't really you know, have you stay over? Sure. Maybe it was just your dad. I don't really know. Yeah, it just seemed like there was a little bit of ice between us, but uh, um, not entirely um, off-putting. However, I said, "Listen, may I just borrow a pair of shorts?" And she said, "Sure," but she was really skinny. Okay. So I couldn't close them. <laughs> so and they were really short shorts. So I, <laughs> I get pulled over by these cops. And I think in Florida. Oh, this yeah. is great! And I'm not wearing a shirt, and I've got this really teensy weensy set of shorts on, and I thought, oh, this is not going to look good at all. But I forgot that in the back of my car, with probably about three months of grab a beer for the road, <laughs> <laughs> so there was like 90 beer cans sure, yeah. in the back of the Maverick, and I had surf racks and stuff like that, and I thought. I'm just dead, <laughs> you know. But you know what? I said, uh, "Oh yeah, those are." Uh, my dad loves to drink a beer on the road, you know, and he always grabs one and just tosses them back there. And uh, I thought my, my dad had been dead for you know, a couple of years already, anyway. But uh, it went over fine. And they said, "I tell you what, just get home safe, son." I said, "Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. I certainly will." And that was the end of that. Yeah, the, the high blood pressure the whole way home. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah right. the Fast pulse. Do you remember what your grandmother's beer of choice was? Back then, we were drinking Bush. Okay. Yeah, Bush beer. Which is still around. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, it was fine. That was great swell for, you know, the teens and for uh, us as young adults. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember drinking, um, I worked demolition for a while when I was 18. And uh, they always had like a, a nice chest filled with some long neck buds. Uh, really cold. So that all that dust that would come up because you were knocking down walls all the time. Yeah. Uh, that really cut through it beautifully. And, and, and that is the memory I have of what a beer I think should do in terms of quenching your thirst. And yeah, it's, I mean, I think a bit of the, the ale that we designed, it has that kind of sort of sense memory in it. Like uh, I want it to be refreshing and have a little bit of bite in it. And it's, of course, in our, in our beer, it's a, there's a bit more distinguishable hop and stuff like that that um, gives it a bit more complexity. Yeah. But... Uh, the experience that I want and that I'm trying to sort of repeat for people is that, God, that tastes good. And just, you know, wow. So. Yeah. Um, and I want, I, I, I certainly want to talk about the brand and I want to kind of ease into that because there's, 
there's so much that's going on with beer these days, and mm -hmm. I'm curious as to where the brand um, fits in. Um, you mentioned your dad, mm -hmm. and in my research beforehand, I, I he owned a bar and a coffee shop yeah, right, on the Virgin Islands. The where, Virgin Islands, yeah. yeah. Do you know much about that bar? No. I have one picture of me when I was about uh, a year old, I guess, kind of hanging out the, the Dutch door, walking into the, the bar and grill. Yeah. Uh, that was it. That's all I know. It, is your beer the type that you'd hope would be served there? Gosh, never really thought about it. Um, I always I always see that as more of a sort of Cuba Libre place. Okay. <laughs> in my, in my not imaginings. So, okay, not so much West Coast IPA uh, or, yeah, yeah, no, or, no, or, or Blonde. Nobody was really um, talking about that there. Um, or things like that. Um, but it, it's a theme, I guess, in, in, in some ways of family situation, owning a bar. Hmm. Uh, you're known uh, acting-wise for bar settings and, and all of that um and you're, you're spending with this brand um a lot of time tending bar going to yeah. you know going to neighborhood bars I, I i'm just wondering if there is some sort of connection to the past Gosh, through, I don't know. through all of that that's a, that's a pretty good thing uh, pretty good question but what i uh, what I have discovered about myself well, I, well i've known this about myself for a long time before i even thought about brewing a beer was uh, I like bars, I love them. I love the people I meet there. I love I love the occasion of a bar. I love hanging around, camaraderie, sometimes flirtation, that kind of thing. I mean, um, some of the best people people I've ever met in my life was sitting next to them on a bar stool. Yeah. And um, so I, I celebrate the idea of being in a bar. And, and what I've tried to do since we started with the beer was just to say, you know, hey. Come have a beer because yeah. it's it's uh it's just a fun experience and I think it's a, a great way for people to relate to one another, without getting you know messed up. Yeah. Not to drive this through a cactus patch, but there are well documented interviews that you've given mm -hmm. about alcohol in the past. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, going through AA, going mm -hmm. through the twelve steps, and then I saw a uh, an interview that you did where you now call yourself a reformed drinker. <laughs> and uh, I never I, keep track of these things, but <laughs> thank, thankfully you do. Well, right? Google, Google's uh, helpful okay. with 24 yeah, right. hours notice on these things. Um, but the, the beer industry in general is wrestling with moderation, is talking about mental health, is talking about addiction and talking about, you know, making sure that, you know, you can enjoy and right. but also don't go and, off you know, the deep with, end. With limitation. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you always want to advise people to... Um, you know, not be cautious, but be intelligent. You know, I mean, I've always said to my friends, the only time you ever really get in trouble in your life is when you stop thinking. And if you've done too much drinking, odds are you may have stopped thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it relates to almost everything. Choices in, in terms of marriage, choices in terms of driving, uh, any number of those things. When you tend to get in trouble is when you've stopped thinking. And so getting behind the wheel of a car when you're a little loaded is not a great idea. No, it's um, not at all. Yeah. I once had a, a, a DUI with, uh, it was a very funny experience. I, I, I was at home and my girlfriend and I got in a fight and she said, I want you to drive me home. And I said, I really can't. I, I can't drive you home because I've had too much to drink and that's, that's, I'm just not going to do it. So we it's went through yeah. uh, several debates about it for about the next hour, yelling and screaming. And I finally said, fine, fine, I'll take you home. Sure enough, I get pulled over. I'm not driving crazy, but I just got, I think I'm, my license was a little bit, my tag was maybe 
the registration was close to over or maybe it was maybe it was past something yeah so we got pulled over and as the cop comes to the car window and i roll it down my girlfriend starts screaming oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i thought well that's that's just not gonna do well at all is it (laughs) no and the cop said what's her problem Then the next line was, you want to step out of the car, sir? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. So answer the first question, so there maybe not to the second. So there yeah. I was. I was thinking really well as long as I was saying, no, I'm not taking you. And then the moment I said, okay, fine, that's when I stopped. <laughs> it, you're obviously doing this now. Is this poking the bear or do, do you feel like you're at a different point now in your life? Well, okay. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm willing to answer this question. Um, a really great guy I knew who was a, a pretty pretty serious drinker, uh, somebody was a little more professional at it than I was, Okay. Uh, said, um, alcoholism is unresolved grief. And I thought, boy, that's pretty interesting. And I think there may be something to that. Yeah. And uh, I certainly was carrying a lot of grief around with me. Some I still, still carry, but... Uh, not unresolved and things did change in my life so i mean yeah i actually still i enjoy a cocktail when i did go to what i like to call cocktail academy um i met a guy who actually said i always admire people who can still enjoy their drug of choice i thought well that's kind of what i'd like to aim for because i actually like to sit down and have a a cocktail with somebody i'd rather have martinis that kind of thing um and uh, the beer world never really entered my mind until I was uh, living on this property that I owned in upstate New York. And that inspired me to try beer. That was the whole thing. What was it about the property? Well, historically, it's a, in, a, in a, a region that was more populated than, uh, more populated during the Revolutionary War than it is now. Okay. Uh, some people say that they used to grow hops there. I'm not sure how successful that Up, must have been. Upstate New York, pre-prohibition, yeah. certainly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they say that some of the older recipes and stuff, like from the Revolutionary War, stuff like that, maybe the hops came from around where we lived. Of course, when I went, when I studied the uh, idea of launching the project in on the land there, the guys from Cornell came down and said, there's no place here you can grow any hops. <laughs> but <laughs> they, they would know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I live in a, in a little microclimate that is uh, really cold, colder than most around it. And uh, when it's zero, you know, 30 miles away, it's actually negative 17 where we are. Jesus. So it's a it's a nasty, it can be a nasty winter there. <laughs> so uh, uh, so I, I, I abandoned the idea that I was going to actually grow any hops there. I, sure. I, I did th- was that the original plan? Yeah, right. It was to sort of like... Uh, Source it from my own property, stuff like that. Get the water off my own property. All sorts of things like that was, was the original image. I had this great uh, sort of retired dairy farm there that I owned. And uh, the barn was absolutely beautiful. It looks like an old Viking ship turned upside down. It's, it's absolutely beautiful, uh, the, the roof line and everything. It's 100 yards long. It used to be a pretty substantial I was going to say, that's, a, that's, a, that's yeah. a lot of cows. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, that seemed ideal. And then, of course, I found out I wasn't allowed to use the water because it's not my water. Unlike everywhere else in New York State, it belongs to New York City. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> so, on the aquifer. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, sort of like, 
Oh, here we so go. So for commercial purposes, sort of, yeah, then it yeah. becomes... It's, uh, it's yeah. theirs. Yeah. But so. you said beer hadn't entered your mind, though. But what was it about that barn that said... Because uh, New York... Because I didn't want to milk upstate. cows twice a day. Yeah. I thought, beer's good. Okay. Because you know, I knew the water was pretty significant. Okay. You know, and I, it, the water bubbles out of the ground. I live very much the, at the very top of the, uh, the hills of the Catskill Mountains. And uh, there is no pollution there where I am yeah. unless it's you know unless it's acid rain which may be coming from some industrial part but you know it doesn't tend to go that way um, well if it did so it would it's, freeze in minus 17 it's really clear so yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but it, it, there's always water coming out of the ground which is magnificent water and uh, that's what first guided my, my instinct to say let's give this a try I feel like those are fun ideas to say okay sure we're going to open a brewery we're going we're gonna to do some stuff you followed through though yeah, I, it's a. I'm, that's the kind of guy I am. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like the kind of hairpin ha- you are. The kind of hairpin yes. I am. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we worked. We uh, found out a way to work in Jack yeah, Benny. Good there you for go. you. Um, in what way? I mean, what? Well, when I decided, you know, it's something that might be worth my time, uh, I just figure it's uh, it's worth a good dose of it, and as much as I can muster to, to do a good job of it. And uh, I spoke to a couple of guys I knew who were in the beer business, and. Had a buddy come out and take a look at the property, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is this would be great. Yeah. What do you want to do? You want to do a beer factory here? I said, yeah, I want to do a beer factory here. This is exactly what I want to do. So we went out and bought a big old brew house, which I still haven't used. I was going to, yeah. yeah. Because it's, uh, once they told me I couldn't use the water, I just, I abandoned any sense of trying to do it there. I was going to have to build a, a water treatment plant that was going to be on the lower 40, or just below where the brewery was going to be. Yeah. And that was it was a multi-million dollar build just to take care of the uh, the affluence, and I thought yeah. this is just this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean the beer business barely makes sense anyway, because it's a it's a very sort of small margin business, and uh, we're not you know we're not past the uh, the the sort of <laughs> uh, midway point yet. We're you know sort of it's, you know some some income yeah some but we're not profitable yet. But it's it's okay. That's what we're gonna be. <laughs> So the idea for a brand came, a brewery came from the location, from the water. Absolutely, from the land and everything else. And, and the experience that I've had there. And I grew up uh, going up to this part of America uh, during Thanksgiving always with my granddad. And that was, uh, was a big selling point for me to suddenly think, you know, let's, let's do something profitable with the land, which would turn into a kind of former glory kind of thing. Because yeah. it, and it was really a, an abundant place before prosperous it had been a cauliflower farm as well as a dairy farm uh, most of the locals who live there will come up and say oh yeah i used to i used to pack cauliflower up on that property when i was in high school stuff like that it's still a pretty you know countrified place so when you said okay we're going to go forward with this anyway we're not going to put in the brew house but we're going to contract out we're going to create a create a brand what was your what was the thought process to get us to faith american um well, I wanted to have an ale because I knew that it was. Uh, it took a little less time in the fermenters. Yep. Um, and I thought, let's go with the, the easiest, you know, drinkable. Because the, the 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 notion was always I wanted to have an ale that walked and talked a bit more like a lager, and uh, but had a little bit of a hoppy finish. And so that's that's that was sort of the that old school refreshment that yeah, you were exactly. talking about earlier. That's exactly what I was heading for. And uh, I found a guy with a recipe, and we talked about it, and uh, did a couple of batches before I liked it. Uh, tweaked it, cooked it a little less, made a little more bite in it, and uh, I, I love the beer. 
so it's, once I loved it, then we started making it. And uh, we got our first sort of pressing uh, out in Las Vegas, actually. Uh, people were really interested in the beer. We went with uh, Southern uh, Wine and Liquors, and they said, okay, we're going to put it on the, the table at this charity event we're going to do. Neil Diamond came and sang, and uh, there was a can of faith on every, every table, and I thought, yeah, we've arrived. The next week, they canceled uh, March Madness in Vegas because of uh, COVID. Yeah. So I said, okay, we're going to just pull back. And we're not really, we can't get damaged. You weren't at that point. No, we can't get damaged by it. You know, yeah. we, just, uh, we just haven't really entered the market. So um, we pulled back. We didn't brew for a little while. And then uh, I, I, I commissioned the guys that I was working with um, outside of Albany to do a, a new batch. Several months later, I developed another beer at the same time. That's when I developed Calico Man, the IPA that I have. Yeah. And then uh, the beer that they made that time was terrible. Really? And I thought, what have you done? What did you, what happened? I can't imagine Rich Michaels making a bad beer. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Rich. Okay. That was, that was a, this was before I got to Rich. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rich improved that batch gotcha i mean well i got rid of that batch sure uh what had happened was we tracked down the fact that they had been using old yeast it tasted metallic had a metallic aftertaste and i thought i'm not going to sell that to anybody i wouldn't ask anybody to drink that beer some of one of the guys was like are you shitting me this is this beer tastes just like blah 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 he named like five or six beers and said yeah but i don't like any of those okay <laughs> so okay that's not the beer i want to sell so we uh we that's when rich and i sat down and said why don't we try this Try that. And we did another couple of batches where I was not crazy about what we went for. And then I, I dialed it in a little bit more. And he came up with this wonderful, wonderful beer that I'm really happy with. And we've stayed there. With that's that. Calico, man. No, no, that's, that's actually the, the, the first one, the ale. Oh, the ale. Yeah, okay. Just, uh, the, the, it's just a Belgian-style ale, you know, golden, yeah. whatever, blonde ale or whatever they call it. Um, and then we developed the Calico Man together. Okay. Yeah. And that was... Uh, that was I said, but I'm, this one I'm going to go for it. I'm a little less piney. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm a, I'm not a, an IPA lover. So I said, I want a drinkable IPA. Yeah. Not, I want to make beer always that tastes like beer, and that's kind of that's kind of one of the major caveats of the whole thing. But um, I've grown a little more fond of the of the IPA idea. I just don't like it to taste like kerosene. What? Which is where I think half of it is. What does that mean, grown fonder of the IPA idea? Uh, well, it's just I, I like this. I like the notes. I like the fragrance. I like the uh, the additional kind of uh, flavor complexity. So I, I'm for that, as long as it doesn't taste like kerosene, like I said. And unfortunately, a lot of that stuff tastes like kerosene to me, really? like paint okay. thinner. Okay. And uh, that may be maybe my I, own particular. I don't know taste. where you've been drinking. I mean, I'm concerned <laughs> right. for you no, that fine. you've been going to the wrong places. Um, I may have been, um, but maybe it's a specific thing that I have in my own, you know, taste buds, my profile, whatever that yeah. says uh, I do not like this flavor in there. I'm I'm not so drawn to the piney thing, and I know that that's kind of some of what guys like. Sure, you know, I mean that's what fueled the early yeah yeah right, right. you know when i think back sort to the early uh, enthusiasm yeah right. sure yeah. but i mean also the early beers i mean when you think about sierra nevada or you even go back to um new albion the very first microbrewery which coincidentally both used old dairy equipment to fabricate oh, uh their their brewing equipment mm -hmm. um i mean it was that piney grapefruit that yeah right. that i'm, I'm okay with the grapefruit thing. sure that's all right all yeah. right yeah. so just I know a lot of that's in the hops but you know it's yeah. like uh 
I've, I've, I've gotten to where my hazy is a, has a slight blueberry fragrance to it and a little, a little bit of a, a blueberry element to it, which, which is really fun. I mean, and it's, that's really been popular that one took off. The blue hazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, which uses mosaic, which some of yeah. those early ones had right. blueberry undertones right, yeah, to yeah, it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so are there more on the horizon like how yeah. does it yeah well we've got a double ipa coming out now okay uh, a couple of weeks called calico moonlight okay i like that i fell on this theme all the all the stuff is based on the land right so the or the contemporary or the culture and the history of of the local history of where i am okay so the, there's a, there was a movement called the calico uh, indians which was also led to the uh, what they call the anti-rent wars and it was in 1845 there was one guy who died. He was a, a policeman, uh, an undersheriff, they called him, um, Osmond Steele. And uh, he's famous for saying, lead will never pierce steel. And he got shot the next day. So <laughs> it's, it's the sort of thing you just, it's, karmically, uh, you just don't think you should talk that no, way about anything. Not. Right. Yeah. But uh, so that's the lore that sort of feeds that particular brand, that particular flavor, rather. Um, this This movement that was kind of, a pioneering movement, the guys that stood up for their rights to like, hey, wait a minute, I've, I farm this land, I'm entitled to do it, and uh, you, you can't like run us off this land because some guy forgot to pay his, his taxes. That's what it came down to. Yeah. And what was funny was the, the revolution uh, in America led to a, a decision that the Congress made after a while that they'd let people who were given tracts of land by the kings of Holland and of um, England to keep them. They could keep their tracks. They were giant, thousands and thousands of acres. But what happened was they allowed people to farm the land for rent. Okay. One of the guys stopped asking for rent. A guy they called the Good Patroon. Mm -hmm. He died, and his heirs owed the government a lot of money. So the solution they came up with was, we'll let the sheriff's men go and seize the property of the people that were farming the land and sell it. Okay. And so just ruin them. Yeah. And so there was a movement to stop that, and that's what they called them. So they dressed in calico. And the interesting, the way this sort of doubles back on itself in terms of the, the legacy of the story is that India Pale Ale, that was increased in hop strength whatever on its way to england to, on its way to india to to give beer to the troops and from england uh during that you know imperialist push sure. from london i'm gonna send you a good book that pete brown wrote about all of that but oh yes cool. that's yeah anyway at the same time a material called calico was shipped from india to the united states and most of the farmers wives were wearing it and using it for bonnets and for uh aprons and for around the house okay and so they designed costumes for themselves that were made of calico that were quite frightening to scare the constables, to, to scare the, the, the sheriff's men. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty like, you know, Robin Hood and stuff. Yeah. But uh, they called themselves Calico Indians. So rather than be politically incorrect, I called them Calico Man. Sure. And Calico Man uh, IPA is the first IPA we did. There's a certain amount of nostalgia that immediately comes or a certain amount of, I don't know, patriotism, sense of place by having the word American in the beer. Yeah. And, and certainly breweries have you know, used imagery, have in, in the past. Um, 
but putting it in the name, I imagine, was a conscious choice. Absolutely. Well, my daughter's name is Faith. Um, for a lot of reasons, uh, my wife and I had some difficulty having a child at first, and uh, we landed on the name Faith because it's a it's a powerful name. Um, hope is hope is okay, sure, but it's it's more passive. So, so oh, you, everybody has hope. You know, there's always hope. You know, blah blah blah. Hopes and prayers. So, uh, yeah. sort of yeah, it, it, it springs eternal. Uh, so I just thought, well, and we, we read some stuff by this fellow Emmett Fox, who's a metaphysical writer from the twenties, um, who actually was responsible for writing some of the Big Book. Which is, who's yeah. a really interesting fellow. Yeah. Um, so, the word faith. He does a whole piece, like a, um, an essay on faith versus hope. And how faith is a conscious choice, an active choice, a commitment to something. And we thought that's, that's what we want to go with. So our first child is named Faith. After that, my own love of America, the United States of America, uh, my sort of patriotism that actually is a sort of living, breathing, breathing thing in me. Um, the two most important days in my family's history were always Christmas and Fourth of July. Sure. That was it. And my grandmother was a big flag-waving American. Uh, my granddad served at Guadalcanal. These were, you know, people that lived it, that paid the price for, sure. for love in their country. And so uh, faith in America is is something I, I, I think I want to project to people. And, you know, some don't. Some, okay, fine. Well, you know, you don't have to drink the beer. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but I love America, and I think uh, the faith in America and the American way and, and the things that actually made us great will continue to make us great. I don't, I don't think it's the darkest days for America. I just think it's a little confusing patch. There are, there have been breweries that have waded into uh, political speak to candidates, et cetera, et cetera. And, and on the surface, your brand, your, your brand isn't doing that. Um, but for those brewers who have in the past, there's always a flood of comments on the social media of, you know, keep your politics out of my beer or, you know, <laughs> regardless of, of, of which side uh, right. uh, people are on. on. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Do, do you get any of that? I haven't. Okay. But I mean, I don't know why. No matter what you think about America, to believe that America is is a good idea mm -hmm. is not hard for either side. Sure. You know, it's it's still a good concept. It's a, I do think, you know, maybe we've fallen short. I get that. But nobody's shot, a, you know, aimed any higher than the United States of America. Sure. And so I, I'm a flag-waving guy. And I, you know, it, um, spots and all, I, I look at us and think, this is still a great place to be. So. And beer is that quintessential, I think, still American beverage. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. I do too. I mean, people talk about it, you know, they go, oh, hard seltzer's where it's at. You know, it's, I'm not chasing any of this crap. I make beer. <laughs> one of my distributors talked to me at one point. We had a, a shouting match. He said, let me tell you something about the non-alcoholic business. I said, wait a minute. I need to refresh your memory on this thing. Yeah. I'm not in the non-alcoholic business. Right. I'm in the alcohol business. I sell beer. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, right, right. We became great friends okay, after this good. sort of battle. It was, it was fantastic. So he's been one of my most ardent supporters now. That's nice. Yeah. That's, it's nice to have a distributor on your side. As, yeah. Uh, well, a lot it, of brewers can't relate to. It's rare. To, so yeah. I mean, the... the, the, the <laughs> I wish you recognized you know, that. The, yeah. The distributor thing is uh, is a very interesting dynamic because they say they have salesmen, but I've never seen a salesman walk into a bar and try to sell beer. So I don't I don't know what's going on. They might show up and say, I'm a rep from this or that, and they, um, a bartender goes, yeah, yeah, I like this one. Okay, give me one of those. Or they just say, now they just say, well, well, just email us and we'll, you know, we'll get the order filled. 
So I'm not sure exactly what that position means in a beer company anymore, but, you know, it's okay. More with Kelsey Grammer in a moment, but first... This episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Give Dry a try this January with Athletic Brewing's Near Beers. New Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. And for additional beer podcasts, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to Brewer to Brewer, Beer Travelers, and the All About Beer podcast. And now, back to my conversation with Kelsey Grammer of Faith American Ales. I live in a small town that you're going to visit later on tonight. And uh, at drop-off this morning, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a small town, uh, two of the parents, uh, as I'm dropping off my five-and-a-half-year-old, uh, say, oh, are you going to the to the Kelsey Grammer thing? Oh tonight? no, kidding! Because oh, cool. uh, like I'm the beer guy in town. Oh, I got uh, it. Okay, because yeah. of my job and everything. Yeah. So yes, yeah, uh, yeah everybody. <laughs> I, I meet other parents on the playground. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, you're the beer guy. And it's like, well, I write about it and <laughs> I talk good. about it. Um, but there's a small town buzz right now that yeah. you are going to be at Haley's, mm-hmm. uh, our Irish bar right. in town tonight. And I went back and looked, and you do quite a few of these events with picking local small yeah. town bars it's my beer my beer my experience my my love of the bar experience sure and uh i think my face may get people in the tent you know the fact that i'm going to show up and sure do things and I've, I've actually landed on my feet in terms of you know a kind of profile and some success and uh that opens the door for the beer and the experience is always, oh, we all sat and had a beer together and we liked it. Yeah. And as long as they like the beer, then hopefully they'll go buy it. You know, but, so that, but that's the experience I want people to have. I want them to understand this is about a family, about the love of beer, about the love of enjoying people's company. There's nothing else really I'm selling except the fact that you can have an experience where people get together and enjoy camaraderie and a little bit of conversation, watch a ball game together watch an event together, whatever it is, yeah, or just sit and have a, a nice little evening. There's a, you mentioned, you know, they say they have salesmen, but they're, they're, they're not out there. You are your own best salesman. So I'd say, I, I sell my beer. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, most of the relationships I have in terms of distributors are, so if I get an account, you will deliver the beer? Yeah. And they say, yeah, 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 we'll deliver the beer. Yeah. Great. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. Where we're at. Yeah, you're not jumping on sort trucks of, just sort yet. Of no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, uh, there, there's one piece in New Jersey I might actually drive my own truck down to, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> um, what is it like at these bar events? Because I, I, I know you've not called this a celebrity brand. Um, uh, I, I read an article where, where you know you said if you do a celebrity brand, you do a, a, a sherry. Um, but there is there there's something to be said for the the interaction. And what I'm struck by when I look at social media posts mm-hmm. about your visits is there's no VIP line, there's no, no handlers. I, I mean, you just walked be. into this thing, you know, by yourself, which yeah. is weirdly trusting of you, by the way. Um, but well, it's, it's only because I'm, I'm weirdly trusting of people. I mean, I'm, that's how I, I love people. Faith. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And uh, that's um, where we're coming from. But is there, at these things, because it, when people think of celebrity, they're going to think of sort of closed off. Uh, they're going to maybe think of, you know, rarefied air maybe, right. uh, as it were. Right. 
having... I want to dispel that theory. Okay. Yeah, I don't want anybody thinking I'm, I'm somehow a, a distant from the beer. I am the beer. It's, a, it's something I'm, I'm, I love. I put my, my heart into it. I've, I've put my sort of creativity into it. So it's a, it's a reflection on me personally. So I don't, I don't want to mess it up or alienate anybody by thinking, oh, well, some, you know, celebrity hoo-ha, whatever. Because I imagine people can confuse the art from the artist sometimes, mm -hmm. um, I imagine that people associate you with wine. Oh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, people have asked why didn't I do a wine. Sure. Well, actually, it's because uh, you can't grow a grape on my property right. either. Yeah. I mean, if you can't grow hops, you can't grow grapes. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's clearly the, the issue. Yeah. Um, I like the everyman quality of it being a beer as well, though. I, I don't want to be in a feat sort of like a... Um, what was he? What was he? You know, a rarefied sure. um, um, creator of something to imbibe. I, I like beer because yeah. I, and you know, I didn't know I liked beer this much, but I, I liked it when I was a boy, when I was a young man, when I was working hard. Having a beer was the greatest thing I could do. It reminds me of hard work. I mean, one of my slogans in my head has always been sort of the land, the work, the beer. Uh, there's a. a a combination of effort that goes into the beer that actually relates to actually a person working with their hands. Yeah, and I like that about it. And I like the I like the sort of rogue energy of it. This kind of like maverick thing that is sort of American as well. And all these guys that are out, you know, half of them that are developing beers and and doing the craft business. Maybe they hate America. Maybe they love America. I don't know. But they're doing what Americans do. Sure, they're making something happen because they decided they wanted to do it. And they're doing it themselves. I don't know if I've ever heard a brewery just, just to throw it out there. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a brewery say that they hate America. I wonder <laughs> if there is a, if you've been able to help bring people to the beer side because I imagine people come out because of who you are mm. and they're curious and they might say, "Oh, I'm not a beer drinker," but they're going to try it because I get a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Mostly that comes from. Uh, Oh, God, so, you have to be so careful about the things you say these days. But mostly the women that come to the bar say, you know, I don't really like beer. And I say, well, you know what? Try this one. Uh, and the Blue Hazy, they've, I mean, has been off the hook for mostly the ladies seem to really like that one. Okay. That's, uh, it's drinkable. It, it, um, it is an IPA, but it, uh, with that little lace of fruit in there, it, uh, it really eliminates that bite that um, some guys crave. But Sure. It makes it really drinkable, and that makes me—it makes me very happy. It's my, it's my wife's favorite beer. Yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of the burliest guys that I know uh, down hazy IPAs by the. Oh yeah, by no, the, it's, by the it's pretty popular. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It has been a leveler, and I think in a lot of ways to bring people that particular style to bring yeah, people. Yeah, I think around. so too. And of course, it's, you know, it's not particularly popular on the West Coast, and that's why I have the other beer. But uh, I've enjoyed the hazy. Um, is there? Are there correlations between the theater, which I know you, 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 you've studied, you've been on major stages, you've played uh, uh, well-known characters on, uh, on stages, being out with, with people? Is there, there's like a studio audience for television. Mm -hmm. There's the theater where you're on stage, and then you're in these situations where you're, it's, it's an immersive experience. Right. Are, are there correlations between... Guess, you know, it's a good question. It, it does make sense. I mean, that... That sounds like something I like to do. I like okay. to I like to interact with people, and uh, the most interactive art form is theater. I yeah. mean, there's no question about it. I mean, performance art, theater, maybe, but yeah. you know, it's uh, 
that's where it lives. If you, if you if you're a sort of energy junkie, that's that's it's the theater that does it. Yeah. And so yeah, there's some. I would say that the the selling the beer relates to that for me. I'm not asking you to speak for all of Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't do that. But a pet peeve of mine mm. has been for a very very long time that in certain medias wine gets a lot of respect you know it is that fancy okay we're having a fancy glass we're at a, a fancy restaurant uh you know whiskey shows up in Mad Men as sort of the you know the the cool thing and then anytime beer is on the screen or most times it is the buffoonery that comes along with it <laughs> yeah i guess maybe that's <laughs> that is something possible um, Can that be you know changed? What? I mean, there, well, the West Coast has, you know, this big, you know, we are all we all on winery kind of thing. I mean, there is that energy, I suppose. I, um, I think the the art of making beer is very, very, um, it's a high-end art. I mean, and there's also something really lovely about it. You don't have to hurt anybody to make beer. You know, you don't you don't get listeria. You know, you know nothing goes awful. You, you can't, you know, Jesus, poison yeah. yourself with yeah. it. Um, you can you can serve a bad beer, and I mean, honestly, most of the beer I drink, I think, is pretty bad beer. But uh, I've learned Again, to love. You're going to the wrong. I've learned places. to love mine. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I I, I, I got to say that my my pal, I was not a beer drinker. Right. I wasn't a wine drinker either. I was just uh, you know I like a martini and that's sort of it. But now I've learned to really I've really opened up to this beer thing, and I re I really enjoy it now. But uh, and maybe that's why I've acquired more of a taste for some of the other IPAs, the, the heavier IPAs. But. Uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit dubious about the, the amount of alcohol in them. So, I mean, I've got a, the, the, the Blue Haze is 6.0 6 ABV. The, the, the Ale's a 4.5. The, the Calicomans is 6.9. The new one's going to be 8.9. All right. Yeah, that's so significant. So, you know, that's a significant chopper. Sure. And the, the, next, the next manifestation of that it will be what I think we're going to call it Calico Mayhem. And just and really go ahead and just punch just the, own you know, it. punch a hole in the envelope, yeah, you know, and go it. for it. And see, I'm sure some guys with beards down to their navel will actually love that beer. <laughs> um, mindful of your time, uh, last question here. Then, uh, are you familiar with the show The Good Place? It's I Kristen am. Bell, Ted uh, yeah, Danson. no, yeah, of course, uh, yeah, because I did a, a film with Kristen. Okay, yeah. there is a. Uh, a the, there's a concept introduced in the last season of the show uh, of a green door, mm -hmm. and I've been asking this show or this question on the show for the last couple of years now. Uh, the green door, once you open it and walk through, you can be anywhere, any place, any time. If there was such a door on our plane of existence, mm -hmm. and this conversation ended, and you could walk through and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? It's my property in upstate New York. <laughs> it's fairly easy. I love it so yeah. much. It's just fantastic. So that's what's, that's, I guess what I try to convey in the beer is this love of the land up there and this, this recreation that you get there, this beauty, this it's unvarnished beauty. It is my garden. It's my garden of Eden and my wife, my kids, that's it. Well, in the world, uh, words of Cole Porter, I'll say, every time we say goodbye, I die a little. There you go. Every time we say and, goodbye. In the words of Sideshow Bob. Uh, that's, that's where I was there going go. with it. Yeah. That's, I, that's what I was raised on. and that's uh, There it is. Yeah. Right. I, I could not resist. I die a little. <laughs> <laughs> My colleague Don Tess just died a little uh, hearing you do that. So oh, thank you for lovely. that. Um, thank you for Thanks, sitting man. down. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. 
Don Tess, by the way, co-hosts the All About Beer podcast with M. Souter. New episodes are available every other Thursday. Just search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice. And during the show, I mentioned a book by Pete Brown that gets into the true history of IPA. It's called Hops and Glory. Get it and read it. The IPA book by Mitch Steele is also worth a read for similar reasons. And if you're into beer and food, the Craft Brewery Cookbook is available where fine books are sold. A reminder to go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can check out the podcast page, the merch page, and you can read great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979. Questions, comments, concerns, guest suggestions, let me know by emailing. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at allaboutbeer.com, or you can tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. You can follow All About Beer on social media at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Speaking of that, today's episode was sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Now you can drink great tasting brews all month long without feeling hungover. Whether you're giving dry a try for a few days or for the whole month of January, Athletic Brewing's near beer have you covered. New Athletic customers can receive 20% off of their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code AAB20 at checkout by March 31st, 2023. Again, you can learn about advertising by emailing us at info at allaboutbeer.com. Don't forget, All About Beer has podcasts now. Go search and subscribe on your platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>